0: Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for this evening, for the studies tonight. Trust you to minister to us as it's your will for us to know the things of your kingdom. And for that purpose, you sent us your spirit. We trust that by your spirit, he will teach us and help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about the blessing of eternal life by two and because eternal life is something so important and uh, has not been given much attention, we believe it would be proper to go deeper a little bit into this and see, and then uh, make sure that every Christian that uh, hears this gets seriously invested in eternal life. Jesus said in our text, John 10, 10 the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So eternal life is what Jesus came really to give us and then the definition of it is 1 John 5, 11. And this is that testimony, that evidence. God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. This life is in his son. He who possesses the son has that life he who does not possess the son of God does not have that life means the life he gave us is the life that is in his son the life of God the life that is in his son the life and nature of God that's what he gave us the life that is in his son If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have it. You don't work for it. There's no other way to get it. You don't impress God to give it to you. You you, you, you have Jesus in your life, you have him. For this life is his life. It is his life. Not your life. It's his life. So this makes us then partakers of divine nature. Because Jesus is divine. So when we have his life, then we become partakers of divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4. And because of his glory and the excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. What are these promises? The Bible said God promised us eternal life. Gave us the promise of eternal life. Those, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. He fulfilled it. When he gave us Christ, he gave us eternal life. To share his divine nature. The life of Christ, the life of God, the nature of God, that's what we are sharing in our spirit. And then escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, living the new life, living the eternal life, is not an option. I mean, every Christian should know this. It's not an option. It is the only life of believers. Eternal life, living the eternal life, is a prerequisite to being a disciple, to being a follower of, of Jesus Christ, it's, there's no other option. That's the way it is. So the Christian must understand the place of eternal life in his life. Must understand this thing. It's a prerequisite. It, 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 there is no option. It is a, it is. You are being a follower of Jesus depends on you are living this life. Now that would, I mean I think you can see the importance of this. First, uh, First John two six. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's not an option. It's not, oh, there are other options. No, this is the only one. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's it. Those who say they are born again, they live in Christ, they should live their life as Jesus did. He leaves us with no other option. First John 1 John 1.6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Let's see here what the Lord Jesus said about eternal life, about living his life and not our own life. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus summoned the crowd along with his disciples. I'm reading TPT. And he had them gather around. And he said to them, if you truly want to follow me, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life. This thing has no two options. If you, comp- if you want to follow me, you should at once <clears throat> completely disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways verse 35 for if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel you will continually experience true life that is the eternal life, true life but if you choose to keep your life for yourself you will forfeit what you try to keep you lose your life verse 36 for what Use it to gain all the wealth and power of the world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life. Now, mark this word at the cost of your own life. We go to read Revelation. You see what Jesus is saying? Come and buy this. Come and buy this. We're going to marry together. You understand? The, The use of this word cost. Verse 37. And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? So among the unfaithfuls and sinful people living today, if you are ashamed of me, you won't live my life before people. You want to live the mainstream ones so that they applaud you. If you are ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of you when he makes his appearance with his holy messengers in the glorious splendor of his Father. So in this passage we read, Jesus mentioned two things that we need to pull out right, right there. He says, number one, to share in his cross. Number two is to continue to surrender to the control of his life, which he says, carry your own cross. I like this translation because it brings out the whole thing truly. Share in his Jesus' own cross, and then you carry your own cross. Share in his cross. If you don't share in his cross, you can't get eternal life. So there are two points here. He said, let me read it again, Mark 8, Jesus summoned the crowd along with his disciples and had them gather around, and he said unto them, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life, and you must be willing to share my cross, my cross, and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. So carrying uh, uh, his cross. Identify him with his cross. What does he mean, willing to share my cross? What it means is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Surrender to his love, controlling you. Number two, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe we have all died to our old life. So the way to eternal life is to believe that Jesus died for you believe that he died for you so you share in his cross he went to the cross for you as your substitute you share in his cross now because he's your substitute you are really identified with him if I did something in your place you identify with me in that action because if I did something in your place if I took your place and did something for you they will say you did it so I did it but you identify. we are tied in that action so as, as 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 Jesus is our substitute, we are now tied, we are now united with him in every action he took on my behalf and on your behalf. So Paul says, Second Corinthians five fourteen. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe, what do we believe? That Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. So you believe through the death of Jesus Christ that you too died. To your old life. 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, those who receive his new life, those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He died and was raised for us. He died for us, was raised for us. When he died, we died because he did it on your behalf. When he rose, you rose. And when he rose, you rose, you rose in newness of life. He rose for you to receive eternal life. If he died and didn't rise, you won't have eternal life. If he died and didn't rise, where will he be to live in you? But he rose in newness of life. Christ died, carrying the sins of the whole world. But when he rose, he didn't rise up with any sin. He rose as as great high priest. The Bible says when he's coming again, he's coming without sin at all. So he died because of our sins. The scripture said the power of sin. He died to to sin. He died because of sin. He rose up after defeating sin. He rose up without sin. And the Bible says he died for us and we died. And he rose up and you rose up. He died for you. He rose for you. You died. You rose. That's why you are seated with him in heavenly places because you are tied together with him. So the scripture is saying that we must identify with that his death and that his resurrection. We must identify with that because he died for you. If you say he didn't die for you, you have no portion with Christ at all. So identification with his death, since he's a substitute, is totally very important, extremely important. You need to identify with his death, and identify with his resurrection because all of that was done for you. So when Christ died, Paul said, we all died. And when he rose, we all rose. And because he rose in newness of life, sin cannot touch us anymore. He had defeated sin on the cross, died, was buried. The new life he has, it's not there's no sin. He's not carrying anybody's sin anymore. And since the Bible says, once he has died, done with sin. Destroy the power of sin that way. And then rose in a new life that sin cannot kill again. It It can't carry anybody's sin anymore. Sin cannot kill again. Death cannot kill again. Nothing. It's not carrying nobody's sin no more. And that's the life we have. The life that sin cannot destroy, death cannot destroy, that's the life we now have. When he died on the cross, he was the Lamb of God. He died. He gave his life and died. When he rose up, he rose with a life that sin can't touch, death can't touch. That's why we say we have a new life that sin can't touch, death can't destroy. Because we have the same life, the life that is in him. Let me read Second Corinthians 14 again. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. Christians, this is what you should believe. That Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died. Carrying our sin, God made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. So He died for our sins, but He rose up in a life that is not sin, that has no sin in it at all. He rose up in glory, became the, our great High Priest, and this life He has now, can, death can never touch it and touch it anymore, and sin can't come near it. That's the very life we now have. This very life He has. This very life, when you receive Christ, that's the very life that's given you. That's what's called eternal life. So you must believe that he died for you and you died. He rose and you rose because you have a new life that was resurrected. The life he had on the cross, he was made sin. He carried your sin and he died. He gave himself up to die. But when he rose from the dead, he has a life that sin can't touch, death can't touch. The Bible says through this, the power of sin is destroyed because this new life, death and sin can't touch it, can't harm it, can't come near it. The power of sin is destroyed as far as this life is concerned. And that is the eternal life you have now. Romans 6, 1. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all. We have died to sin once and for all. When he died with our sin, we died with him. When he rose in this new life, this new life is not sin, nothing. It's not sin, nothing. And this new life, sin has no power over it, neither death. So now Paul is saying, how can we that receive this life that neither sin or death can touch, be all, now living like the old, the old life that sin touched? How can we? Say what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all, as a dead man passes away from his this life. So how could we live under the sins rule a moment longer? Verse 3. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were massed in union with Jesus, the anointed one, were massed into union with his death. For sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with him, we were co-buried with him and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of this new life that is not seen nothing. He carried our sins. God made him to be seen. And He pleased God to smite him. He died. And when he rose, he rose with a new life, his, his glorious life, the resurrected life. The Bible says he rose in newness of life. This life is not seen, nothing. So verse far says, sharing his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried, entombed with him. So that when the, when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, We were also raised with him because we have his new life that he rose with. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of this new life. This new life that is not seen. He died, God made him to be seen. He rose in this life that is not seen. It's not seen. So now he said we can walk in this new life. Now verse 5. For since we are permanently grafted into him. Since we are joined to him, permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and a new life that it imparts. Can we read quickly 1 Corinthians 6:17. here? 1 Corinthians 6:17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Joined to him, one spirit. Joined to him, one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. That's what Paul is saying here, that we are joined to Christ. He did this for me, so I am joined to him. I've identified with him. I am one with him in his death because he did it for me. When he rose, he rose because of me. And I now have his new life, which means I resurrected too. Because I have this new life, this, he rose in newness of life. So I now have a new life. The same life that is in Christ is the life I have now. And this life is not seen nothing. God didn't make this one sin, nothing. There's nothing like that. He rose in the glory that I had with the Father before. A powerful life. Divine nature. 6, Romans 6, 6, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning, and if we were crucified with the anointed one, we know that we, we also share in the fullness of his life. So that person, when we, when we died, our old Christian self died with him. Because we are cojunct with him. He's doing it for us. Now in this new life, like I keep saying and emphasizing, this new life is not like the older one. This new life is a, is a, is a divine nature. It has the life and nature of God. And so, sin cannot control it. Paul is saying, how can you receive this life? And sin is controlling you. Something is wrong. He said, how can we who die to sin, we are living under sin again. Something is wrong here. That's nine. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, to die no more, death can't kill this life. Sin can't come near there. His resurrection life has vanquished death and his power over him is finished. So Jesus is not going to die again. Never again. It's not going to happen again. Verse 10. For by his sacrifice he died to sin's power. Yeah, because of our sin he died once and for all. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So he's not, he's not living in sin. He's not seen nothing. He was sin, but he's not anymore. So let it be the same with you. with you. Since you are not joined with him, you must continually view yourself as dead and unresponsive to sins appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Because the life of Christ now is unresponsive to sin. That's what he gave us, eternal life. It's unresponsive to sin. Completely unresponsive. Paul, is said, how can we receive this life and, and we're responding to sin? Something is wrong. Say, God forbid, this is not the arrangement. It's, this life that's unresponsive to sin is what God gave us to can we live over sin live above sin we become dead to sin unresponsive unresponsive. now let's read this verse 12 very interesting I'm reading the Romans 6 verse 12 sin is a dethroned monarch it's a dethroned monarch so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Verse thirteen. So then, refuse to answer its calls to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has now experienced resurrection life, the life, the life of Christ that does not respond to sin. Resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. 14. Remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. Because we receive this eternal life as an act of grace of God. So, Galatians 6.14. My only boast is in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. My only boast... Is in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah. In him, I have been crucified to this natural realm. When he died, I died. When he rose, I rose. When I came to him, he gave me this risen life, this new life. So my old nature is crucified. I have this new life. So he said, in him, I have been crucified to this natural realm. And the natural realm is dead to me. And no longer dominates my life. Because I have the new life, the new life of God, I mean the new life of Christ that is the divine nature that cannot be dominated by sin, cannot be. Paul said reckon, understand that reckon is to put it to your credit. Reckon that this is who you are, this is what you have, eternal life. The church needs to teach this. Reckon that you have it. Let me read it again, Galatians 6.14. My only boast is in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus our Messiah. In him I have been crucified to this natural realm, and the natural realm is dead to me and no longer dominates my life. 15, circumcision doesn't mean a thing to me. The only thing that really matters is living by the transforming power of this wonderful new creation life that does not the life of Jesus. 16, and all those who live in agreement with this standard will have true peace and God's delight, for they are the real they, they are the Israel of God. They are the sons of God. They are the ones who have believed, who have received eternal life. They are the real Israel of God. 17, from now on, let no, no one bring me trouble or critics. Leave me alone. Paul said, leave me alone. I've been teaching this and explaining this and I've tried. So you have to believe. Jesus said, you have to identify with my cross. That your old nature has I died for you. So you died, you're dead. And then when I rose and you received me, you received a new life. So my resurrection is really like you resurrecting and having a new life. Your old nature is gone. Now the second thing that the Lord Jesus said in, in Mark where we read is surrendering to the control of the new life. Surrendering to the control of the new life. Second Corinthians 5 14 again. Either way Christ's love controls us. We have believed and we have received eternal life. Now we have to allow that eternal life that does not respond to sin to control what we do, to control what we do. Do you know that if you don't have hands, if your hands are cut off, your legs are cut off, your mouth is cut off, your brain can think, can want you to walk, but you won't walk. Why, you don't have hands, you don't have legs. So no matter what your brain wants to do, you are there, you can't do anything because you don't don't have hands don't have legs, you don't have mouth. If your brain wants you to talk, you can't talk, you don't have mouth. You can't. So now the same thing now. It is your brain that controls your hand and says, I want to walk. But because you have legs, you get up and walk. What he's saying is that you should allow the love of God to control your hand, control your mouth, control your leg, control it. So the, what, the, the love of God controls you and says, I want you to walk, I want you to talk. There you talk. The same way your brain will control you in the natural. You, the Bible says, let the love of God control you. Let the Holy Spirit control your hand. Because when He controls your hand, it becomes His hand. When He controls your mouth, it becomes His mouth. When He controls your leg, it becomes His leg. Paul says, Since we have this divine nature now, that divine nature controls now my mouth, controls my hand, controls my leg. Either way, Christ's love controls us. That's why Paul said it's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that controls us. Yielding to the new life. Yielding to the new life. The first point we are making is that you must believe that you died with Christ and you have this new life. Which is not the, the, when Christ was made sin. No. He became sin for us. Died for us. So we died with him. But he rose with this life that has not seen nothing. And his divine nature and glory. That's why he could walk through the world. Walk through it. couldn't stop him. Somebody said our fallen nature is completely and utterly selfish, and that's true. Completely and utterly selfish. And we we, were just born with all this, you know, wanting our needs met and met right now. And we need to understand that that life is what died. Selfish life died. The scripture calls us to the higher and more noble life of the resurrected Christ, the eternal life, the love, of God, which passeth all understanding, is what describes that life. Is the love of God. God is love. The old nature we have is selfish, but this one is essentially the love of God. And then, as we are led by this love, we are being led by the Spirit of God. Ephesians four twenty two. You will see that we have been called to this higher life of the resurrected Christ, who is no more made sin for us. Resurrected Christ. Ephesians four twenty two. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception, 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes like we're teaching it now so you begin to understand that, yes, this life you have does not respond to sin. Let me yield to it. Let me allow it to control me. Verse 24, put on your new nature. Let it control you. Paul said, Christ's love controls me. Let it control you. Put on your new nature, created to be like God truly righteous and holy, created to be like God. It has divine nature. It's the life that is in Christ. The resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. The life of glory. The spirit life. He came as a man, died as a man. He rose up not man. He rose up as as a spirit being. So put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, 25. So stop telling lies. That's That's not the nature of Christ. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Join to Christ. 26. Don't sin by letting anger control you. I think this should be preached a whole week. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Church, if you are a thief, stop stealing. Whether in church or anywhere, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard hard work and then give generously to others in need. 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let the love of God control your mouth. Let that new nature, let that eternal life control that. Jesus said continuously yield, continuously yield. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Thirty. do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't grieve the spirit of Christ. Don't grieve him by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. That's not the nature you have. It's love. It's not selfish. All this bitterness, all this anger, all this pride, the foundation of it all is, is selfish. Self-gratification, sexual immorality. You want to satisfy yourself. You don't care what it means. Sexual immorality. It's all selfishness. Selfishness is the core nature of the fallen man. Love is the core nature of the new life we have. So you say, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Harsh words, Christians, and slander, gossiping. As well as all types of evil behavior, 232, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That Christ, that life forgives. Christ forgives. He said, let that love control you. Forgive just as it does. That's his nature. Colossians 3:7 to 8. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds, but now it's time to eliminate them. From your lives once and for all, anger, fits of rage, of forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech and lying, lying, lying again. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise pretences, pretences, for you, for you, acquired new creation life. Verse. N- For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new life, in this new creation life, in this eternal life, your nationality makes no difference because it's Christ. Or your ethnicity, your education, or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. He's the one that means everything. So Paul teaches from his own experience how he lives, how he lives his own new life by faith, not effort. This is not effort thing. This is not law thing. This is not I'm going to be better thing. This is not what we're teaching here. We're not teaching that. We're teaching, Paul said we are believed. There are things you believe. It's those things you believe that produce the work. It's when you believe, it produces the work. It's not a, you, eternal life is not your life anyway. It is the life of Christ. That's why I said what matters is Christ because he's the one that lives in all of us. Galatians 2.20, Paul, how did he do this? Again, he's talking of knowledge, renewing your mind, educating you, crack on you that you're dead in sins. You are, I mean, you're dead. Your old life is dead. You are risen with Christ. You received a resurrected life. This life does, it's, not, it's, it's blasphemy to think that Jesus responds to sin. This life does not. It does not. That's what he gave you. That's why I says sin cannot dominate you anymore because you have this. But the scripture say my people de- are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This thing God gave us, we kept it somewhere. The devil saw to it. The church won't talk about it. We just dumped it somewhere. And then now we're trying to live holy life and failing, failing like a pack of cats. Go, go, go to anger, men, harsh word, lying, all these things everywhere. Everywhere. Galatia 2.20. My old identity has been crucified with with Messiah and no longer lives. See what Paul believes? For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. See what Paul believes? And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine because it's the life of Christ. For the anointed one lives his life through me. You see what Paul believes? It's not what he does or didn't do. It's what he believes believe right, you act right, you talk right, we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who lost me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Dispense, I'm a pharmacist, you dispense drugs into you dispense, you're poor. Dispenses his life into mine because we are joined, verse 21, so that as So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then the anointed one would have died for nothing. The reason he died is to make us righteous, give us this life. Not only to make us righteous, to give us a righteous life, a holy life, so that he, he can dispense it. He can live through you, live through me. His own life. And we do that only by faith. Only by faith. Now, Romans 7.4 teaches us that this union with Christ produces harvest of good deeds. So, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the law when you died with Christ. You see, it keeps talking about you died with Christ, you died with Christ, you died with Christ, you rose with new life, you received a new life, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result of this being united, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Let's look at... Um, Galatians 5:24. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, have already experienced crucifixion, died again. We have been crucified for everything connected with our, for everything connected with ourselves, Life was put to death on the cross and crucified with with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after Him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another. For each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Now let's look at the mindset of the new man. The mindset of the new man. Humble and not self-seeking. Do nothing with selfish ambition. Because the old life is full of selfishness. Do nothing with selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, quit is yours in Christ Jesus. That's his life, that's mind, that's how he thinks. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, they to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of God. Of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the mindset of the new man. Humble, no reputation. You can imagine what Christians fight over. In the church, fight over this, fight over that, fight over position, fight over, they made this one, this one, made this one. In the home, they fight over, it. nobody told me, why am I not doing this, why am I not doing this? That's not the mindset of the new creature. It's because you don't know you have eternal life. You are totally oblivious of that. First Corinthians 11 says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We need to be invested in the activities of the new man. Not in the activities of the flesh only. Titus 3 8. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Good and beneficial to everyone. Devote yourself to living eternal life. Now, there are people who are unwilling to give up their own lives, totally unwilling. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Those who do not carry their own cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. So those who are not ready, ready to yield the control of this eternal life, they are, not, they are not going to be his disciples. They are totally unwilling to give up this, their old life. They cling to it. Matthew 10, 37. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. I mean, I hope we read these things because in the Bible. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your own cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. He said, if you love anything more than me, you can't be my disciple. It's not going to happen. Because that thing you love more than me will control you. That's what you will venerate and follow. So we need to all decide. You need to make up your mind if you want to give up your old life or not. Don't just be coming to church. That's why we have a lot of carnality. Don't just be coming to church. Is it not surprising that you, you, you come to church and something is missing? I am not. Talking, I mean, the body of Christ. Something is missing. People stick it. We have to make up our mind. Everything starts with a decision. You need to decide once and for all if you want to give up your old life or you want to keep it. It's this indecision that makes us live in, anyhow. We have to make up our minds and draw our boundaries. Look at Luke chapter 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, brethren, sisters, yea, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He didn't say may. He cannot be my disciple. 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. 28, for which of you, he's saying, you need to make up, decide whether you want to do this thing. You have to decide, because you can start and you backslide. For which of, for which of you intend to build a tower, seated not down first, can't tell the cost, check it out, are you prepared to give up your life? Whether he have sufficient to finish it, less happily, after he had laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began. <laughs> he gave his life to Christ, was not able to finish. We need to make up our minds ready. It's a decision everybody should make. and God will expect us to keep our decision. Luke chapter 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, looking back his feet for the kingdom of God. God expects us to decide and stay with our decision. The one who started but could not finish. Look at it, Second Peter 2 Peter 2.20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they started, they couldn't finish, they didn't make up their mind, they're living in the world and living in, they come to church and live in the world and they, because they didn't make up their mind. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. See why Jesus said, sit down and check the cost. Are you prepared to give up your life or not? Verse two, verse 21, it will be better for if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They proved the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. He said, I was telling the women I said, these sinful things is like vomit. It's like poo. He said, yes, it's like going to lick your vomit. That's what the scripture says. It's like licking the vomit. Vomit. Now, The Bible talks about lukewarm Christians, lukewarm Christians. In Revelation 3, 5, this city was so prosperous, so to them trading business and things, they were not invested in living the eternal life. And the scripture, Jesus wrote this church about this type of people who are neither Christians (laughs) or not, you don't even know who they are. When they come to church and dance, they go out and live like the devil. They, leave, they don't care what they do. They don't care what they say. They don't care anything they do. They live like the devil itself. Jesus said, I will throw you out of my mouth. I'm not going to have you. Because if, you, if you're not prepared to give up your life and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Revelation 3.15. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one of or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. So I advise you now to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes. So you will be able to see, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Indifference. They were not invested in living this life. Jesus said, make up your mind. If you want to pay the price, pay the cost, and be part of this thing. Or want to live your own life, make up your mind. But you are not coming to come here and fool anybody. If you are not prepared to love me above everything, you can't follow me. If you are not prepared to yield your life to me, you can't follow me. Because you can't serve two masters. Now, in this place, they were, it was a business time. There was a lot of business going on. They were, they were just not interested. They were, not, they were indifferent to the things of God. There are many people like that. They don't Bible studies. They don't care. They don't study the Bible. They don't pray. They, are not, they don't do anything. They don't serve Jesus. Anything. Nothing. Comes once in, once in a while. Once in a while, they come after living matter of useless life everyone he said i know what to do you are neither you are neither a christian who are you hermaphrodite million. and in fact in verse 20 he said you have even kicked me outside because i said i stand now at the door i'm knocking over. if you hear my voice open the door i will come in because i'm no more you kicked me out and he said to them buy come on buy you know what they buy to buy is to give up what you're doing the indifference to the things of God. You are not invested in it. You haven't made up your mind. You have not. Jesus says, sit down and count the cost or I'll spit you out myself. John 15 from verse 1. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit he cuts off. And he prunes the branches that bear fruit so that they'll produce even more romans 8:6. so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace so we need to be people really who are invested sufficiently not indifferent to these things you must make up your mind if you want to live eternal life or not just don't be coming to church and going that's not, Jesus gave you eternal life. He expects you to live it. He said, if you put your hand on the plow, look back, you're not worthy of me. This is not a joking matter. It costs God his son. It costs God his son's life. Every Christian must make up his mind. Because we live in a world now that you can't take the Christian apart from the world. It's all muddled m- 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 up everywhere. Everybody's claiming born again. But this, Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know the their fruits. So we need to decide. We need, he said sit down and decide, hey, it will cost you the cost. Will you follow me? Sit down and make up your mind. Because once you start following me, the world will start laughing at you. People will think you're, you lost your mind. Yeah, you lost your mind because now you have a new mind. You have a mind of Christ. Every Christian must make this decision. And then I want to stop with this testimony that somebody sent me about the teaching on Thursday. For the past two and a half years, I came to the realization that it was time for me to move on from the business unit where I worked to another, another because of the adverse atmosphere affecting me. I spent time with the Lord and spent time with my family. Two years back, a branch of a major company reached out to me and we started talking because they wanted to bring me in to work for them. Then they decided to move with another candidate and I said, Glory to Jesus. That company called me again. They spoke to me. They said to me, from the time we said no to you, we never stopped talking about you. We like you. But the management wanted someone else. So later on, they called me for an interview. I completed the panel interview. Before the interview, I asked the Holy Spirit to fill my mouth, and he did. They said to me after the interview, The ideas that you brought up are exactly what we were discussing. Then they offered me the job. (laughs) Then one of the top managers said to me, you are a good man. You are the type of candidate we want to bring here. In my many years of working, I have never met anyone like you. I see something in you. Talk to me. I see something in you. So we gave you the job. This is what you spoke about, pastor. This Thursday Bible study, the supernatural competitive advantage of having the, eternal, the life and the nature of God, the eternal life of Jesus. It enhances your aptitude and intelligence and gives you advantage in public arena. This is what you were teaching. It happened to me, life. Then the Lord ministered something again to me. He said that when your pastor goes to labor in the world and brings back a word for the congregation, he has done his part. Now you, the people that listen, need to go, that went to your class, taught by the Holy Spirit, when the congregation goes home and listens, they are also supposed to be laboring and showing up in the class, taught by the Holy Spirit. You don't get results for a class you don't show up for. This is what the Lord told him. The teacher will not mark, mark, the present, mark you present when you are absent. So the pastor labors, brings you teaching. You should labor, study, study, meditate, meditate on it. You labor, meditate on it, study it, listen to it again and again. That's what the Lord was telling him. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again for reminding us that eternal life is not an option. Is the only way we live. That if, if we're not prepared to live this life, then we're not ready to follow you. You didn't come to gamble. You came to establish the truth. Either we take it or we leave it alone. You have challenged us tonight that we should sit down, make up our minds, whether we want to follow you or not. Whether we want to live this life or not. If we want to please the world or not. Everybody should make that decision and determination. Because we saw people who, who started, they couldn't finish. They went back to their vomit. They went back to their vomit. Iniquity defies a man. It's like a vomit. you challenge us to start believing that we died with you. And that we rose with you. That you gave us that resurrected life that does not respond to sin. That the devil can handle. So sin cannot be our master. And we start believing right. Then we start talking right. Then we we'll start acting right. It's not by effort. It's by faith. Thank you for what you are revealing to us. Blessed be thy name, Lord. I commit this whole teaching into your hand and every hearing into your hand that will perfect everything that concerns us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.